Get ready for the upcoming Utah Jazz season at the Jazz Team Store end of summer sale, August 26th through the 28th at Vivint Arena. Get deals on the latest jazz gear. Come down today, man. See me. And not for Hoko. See me. I'll be there. From two to six. You filling in. Jake's vacationing. Correct. You'll be uh, messing with Gordon for four hours. Correct. Going to hit him up with his plagiarizing again? (laughs) Then his expensive vacations. (laughs) And his long fishing stories. You have plenty to make fun of. It's all in the material. First week of the month, I write that BYU is going to have to uh, validate this last season with this season. And then last week, he writes the same thing. I called him on it. I told him my lawyers are going to be uh, talking to him. Nice. In fact, he might be served with a subpoena today because I know he has to be there. Thank you for reminding me. I've got this attorney. She calls herself Hell on Heels. (laughs) (laughs) Or Hell in Heels, I guess. I don't know. You're on heels or in heels? DJ and PK, it's time to welcome in Frank Dolce, our Utah Utes insider, former Utah quarterback, joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Frank, good morning. Good morning, DJ, PK from the South Bay. Sup. Man, it's great to uh, it's great to catch up with you guys again. It's great to be caught up. It is so close to the start of football. You are ready. All, all ready. I'm always ready. I was really hopeful that the AAF uh, hashtag full speed ahead was going to this was going to be something because I liked spring football. I liked having Weber State play football in the spring. Um, but I guess we're going to go back to we're going back to normal. So it's just going to happen in the fall again. So when you see Brett McMurphy projecting Utah to the Rose Bowl, yeah, is that a little more than you had in mind for them? You think that's about right? It's uh, there's three or four teams, and it's a wild scramble at the top. So Brett could really write anything, any one of those three, four, five teams in there, and you'd be okay with it. What are you thinking when you see that? I think that maybe it says more about the Pac-12 than it does about uh, Utah and where all those teams fit. So Utah certainly has this consistency under Coach Whittingham. And like, say, say, it feels like the same thing we've talked about for a long time with Utah. They'll bring, de- they'll bring a defense to start and then maybe try and figure out a little bit of what's happening on the – on the offensive side. And I do like that Coach Ludwig is there for his third year. I think that is enormous on the offensive side. But a little, I still feel like there's a little uncertainty about how that offense per- will perform. We just don't have the same kind of feeling about, you know, hey, Utah's defense is going to be solid. They replaced some guys, they kept some guys, they're super athletic in the back end, so we're going to be fine on defense. Um, but how are you know how are we going to be on offense? Running back by committee, 
a very accomplished quarterback, but still breaking in a new quarterback who probably doesn't have the same type of assets around him that he had at his previous stop. An offensive line that's a little bit of a question mark right now. He does have two really good tight ends, so I think that's a big bonus. But question mark on the offensive side. So, so back to your point of, yeah, to, I, I believe that this is a Utah team that, that could make the Rose Bowl and finally go down to USC and, and win at the Coliseum and, and come out with a, maybe a one-loss record in Pac-12 play. Um, but it probably says you know, as much about the Pac-12 as it does about Utah. Really bugs me with this Charlie Brewer. You know, he has all these stats coming over from Baylor, and we've heard so many media folk in their preseason talks about the Utes say, "Well, you know, they're they're getting a quarterback who hasn't been this accomplished and going into the season, blah blah blah, and maybe going into the season." But it's hard for me to imagine that he's going to be better than what my man Tyler Huntley was as a senior because it's just a couple years ago, but it seems like we forget that kid was really, really good and deserved to be in the Heisman conversation. So it's hard for me to imagine that the offense is going to be better than it was in 2019. I don't imagine that. I mean, I'm in, I, I'm, I fully align with your thinking on that. Like, I, I think all of the stats that Brewer brings in, I think the way that he's practiced and the stuff that we see on film, all of that looks really good. And But I just am not willing to, to make a statement about where he fits in the, in the history of Utah quarterbacks um, until we see him you know, under the lights in a, in a Utah uniform under that scenario with, with Utah's offense running down the field. So... I think that it, there's lots of hope uh, based on what he's done and the, based on the way he's managed everything so far. But um, I would still put the productivity of Huntley. He had that stretch where, you know, he's completing like 75% yeah. of his passes. Right. And, you know, and Utah was rolling down the field. Now, he did have the luxury of, of a guy named Zach Moss who sure. was averaging almost six yards a carry. And that's. I mean, that's the quarterback's best friend is a strong running game, and, and Tyler Huntley certainly had that. But Ludwig was able to, to manage him appropriately, and so I, I think that's probably the highlight in recent Utah quarterback history. And hope, I, I mean, I'm hopeful that Brewer can get to that point. It, all the, everything that we see about him points to the fact that he could get to that point, but I'm just not willing to say that, say that until we see it. So you're not ready for him to guarantee that he's going to average like 10 yards an attempt and uh, five touchdowns for every pick the way Tyler did? Uh, well, to be honest, I mean, that, that's, those are fantastic stats. I like, the, I like the five touchdowns for every pick. That's, mm-hmm. and, and I know that you know, Coach, everybody knows that Coach Whittingham abhors interceptions and turnovers so that would that would be probably at the top of his list i would like to see i mean uh i think that yards per attempt number yards per completion number probably is something that could be um managed a little upward i think that would be helpful but if 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 utah has uh like they traditionally have had a strong running game and managing the line of scrimmage then then all you really need is 10 yards 
per, per was that per attempt or per completion? I'm not sure. What it, it, it says Y slash A. Ten yards attempt is what I per, took. Yeah, per attempt, yeah. yeah. Ten yards per attempt. So if if all of the other factors are in place, then completing 70-plus percent of your passes and 10 yards per attempt is going to be pretty good. Oh, um, for sure. But we just have to see, yeah, we'll just have to see if if the running game um, develops the way that it has in the past. So this running game really intrigues me because I've been in this market now for 28 years, and it's probably not the case, but it seems like they've had 28 1,000-yard rushers because they always run the ball. <laughs> and I'm sure there's been a few that hasn't happened, but I can't remember them, or as I can rename the running backs roll off the tongue. And, I mean, I think they would have been picked first if the tragedy to the young fellow Taylor, uh, Tyler, yeah, Jordan didn't happen, um, but obviously it did. And so it, the unusual aspect of the training camp so far has been four guys. And how are they going to find a starter from four guys? Because it seems they keep telling us that you know they're all right there. And so if they're all right there, then they're all going to get a shot. I would think, maybe not, and how's it going to be that they could go with four guys? Because you look at the tradition of the Utah running back position, it may start out as a competition. Even last year with Ty Jordan started out as a competition, but by the second or third game, there was no longer a competition. It was his job, and it was going to be his job for the next three years until he went off to the NFL. So I'm wondering how they find somebody to emerge, or do you think it's possible to have this rotation? If you have the production that equals a super running back, it doesn't matter, but is it possible to be able to have that when you're juggling guys in and out, or do they need that one dude, and how are they going to get to that point? Yes, there's lots of, lots of good questions in there. One is I think we have to go back and, and recognize that Utah never has a starting quarterback at the start of a season. Zach Moss wasn't a starting running back. Excuse me, running back. Zach Moss wasn't a starting running back. Devontae Booker wasn't a starting running back. All of those guys had, were in this running back by committee scenario until two, three games in, and then everybody was like, wait. Well, that's the guy. It was an obvious thing. That's the guy. Right, but I'm wondering, and, can it be done out of four? Oh, it doesn't seem like they had four to choose from in the past. I, 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 I mean, I think that the four, the number four is kind of a, hey, we have four guys here competing for the job. Inside the ropes, I'm guessing it's more like, okay. hey, we have these two guys. So it's a little coach. And we speak. have these other we other we have these other two guys. Yeah. We're pretty good too, but you know we have four guys. Okay. So I I think that we'll we'll go into probably two or three maybe more three games into the season, and somebody will emerge. You can't have running back by committee with four guys in game scenarios. That just won't work. I've never seen a running back who can be productive with 12 carries a game. I mean, that just, that just doesn't happen. Right, right. So the, the best running backs need 20-plus carries a game. Yeah. And so maybe you could manage, if Utah's running the ball 40 times a game, which is reasonable, maybe you could manage a two-guy rotation. But three, once you get into three and four yeah. guys, unless you're using one as, as you know, the, the guy that just is a little different than everybody else, 
it just doesn't seem to work. So I could see a two-man rotation, but I think one of those guys is going to emerge two or three games. Well, what DJ's going to tell you is, Frank, they've got those two (laughs) cream puff games at the start to figure it out. Yes, yes. Yeah. Wait. For the big game two. three. <laughs> game three is huge. Two, two cream puff games to start. Yeah. Which, were, which were those? Well, you got we, Weaver we State BYU. BYU to get ready for the trip to Carson, California, Wait. the legendary venue and the home of San Diego State temporarily <laughs> while they build a new stadium. And they have a mediocre coach, so PK's just actually messing with you. <laughs> the youths are going to blow San Diego State off the field. He knows I don't like well, I don't like this coaching hire. I think they're going to be a 500 team. Blah, plus, blah, I was blah. disrespecting the Cougars because I knew I was trying to get oh. in good with Frank. Oh, got you. I thought you were disrespecting <laughs> Jay Hill and Weaver State, and I would take offense to that. Okay, a harder first game and then a cream puff second game. <laughs> and then a walk over third game. Jay Hill's my guy. Listen, I hope that Utah goes down to San Diego and – and takes care of business. I remember the days. I hope they go to San Diego too, because then they'll forfeit because they'll be in the wrong county. Oh yeah. Well, so I remember when when we went down to San Diego. We've had rough times. Utah's had rough times with San Diego. Alex Smith got just threw his first interception and got sacked twice in his first three snaps. Welcome home. When he, when, yeah, when he was brought back to to San Diego, who was. Who was uh, Mark Dan McGuire? Remember Dan McGuire, yeah. the six nine quarterback yeah. at San Diego State. It seemed like he threw for a thousand yards when we went down and played. Wow, at that's San a lot. Diego State. That's, that's better that's than Charlie of, Brewer. That's <laughs> a lot of yards. And and McGuire didn't have the background of, of Brewer. So I mean, big things for Brewer coming up. But but yeah, I mean, I yeah, I hope I hope that Utah can can manage San Diego State. Do, do you remember Ron McBride's walk-off interview after they missed a late kick to win what the game mean? and an extra point in overtime? That, and Frank gave it, didn't he? Was that, that I didn't give the interview. That was uh, probably Sharif. That, that may have been Sharif. Sharif. Shaw on the I think it was though. Sharif, yeah. That and, was and, the onus of never doing a walk-off interview with Coach McBride again. He didn't get to... K- he stopped short of the. K- Eighty-five <laughs> percent oh. of the way to a disaster. Wait, I'm live. I can't say that word. He was moments away. He pulled back. Away. <laughs> he did. I remember oh, watching him thinking, was... "Oh no, no, no! Don't do that." Yeah, but very. I mean, it was kind of appropriate at the time. I think we all felt the same way. <laughs> To your point about the running backs, uh, they went into last season and uh, they had four running backs, but one of them got one carry. So they really had three in the opener. And one guy got five carries and one got seven and one got ten. Yeah, and and are, do any of those running backs remain? Bernard, who got the one carry for eight yards. Oh, Bernard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one, yeah the, one other, the other three were Ty Jordan, Jordan Wilmore, and Devin Brumfield. Yeah, I wonder how Wilmore and Brumfield are, are feeling about things. Oh, the they probably with, see who transferred in and probably think they did the right thing anyway. Maybe, and maybe that's true. Anyway, I think that I think the Utah running back position is uh, there's. I'm optimistic about it. There's no doubt. I don't think they they have the same productivity in the backfield they they had <sighs> if if uh, Ty Jordan were still around, but. But I, I'm optimistic about that position group, no doubt. Well, I am too, because I think that part of the deal when they recruit offensive linemen is they place a heavy emphasis on how good you are at run blocking, because that's what they do. 
And so yeah. they're, I don't know who it's going to be. I can't tell you who's going to emerge, but I would be very much surprised if in 10 weeks we don't look back and say, um, player XYZ emerged just like they always do, whoever it might be. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with that. I agree with that 100%. No no question about it. So Kyle has talked about uh, how talented this team is and seems to have set a high bar here. And when you look the last two times uh, they won the division title, right, in 2018 and 19, they had five guys drafted, then seven. So, So at one point you got like 12 future NFL players on the roster. How many future NFL players do you see on the roster right now? Uh, I think I think there you you have uh Keithy on the offensive side. Um he's a he, he's a guy that I think is has that potential. You probably have I I'd like to see uh, I mean potential in the defensive backfield you have that but I it's the same thing that we were talking about earlier you just it's just potential right now there's there's probably two guys on the defensive line that have that that have that potential um, so I I mean conservatively I would say that Utah has three really solid prospects going into the season Uh I I kind of I'm on the fence about Britton Covey because I think that in the right scenario he has a shot but but it just he just has to be in the right he has to be in the right situation he's not a universal type of talent uh, so so he has to go to New so, England so he has to go to New England he has to go to I mean I think that New England like Seattle might is kind of a, a fit. He doesn't fit with the Raiders. Um, you, you know, maybe maybe with the Bucks because Tom Brady knows how to use that type of position. Um, if if Tom, who's who's older, Tom Brady or Britton Covey? There I mean, is that go. the running is that the running <laughs> thing right now? Yeah, <laughs> Tom Britton Covey. We were saying the other day, Britton Covey is the only guy who's uh, a preseason All-American in college but has a pension plan already set up at the <laughs> U. <laughs> so, but I'm excited to see I'm excited to see Covey, man. He looks just as energetic as ever, ready to go. So, so maybe so anyway, I think three 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 guys I think that are super solid NFL prospects and I'm on the fence about about Britton Covey depending if he gets a shot at the right place. And yeah. and other guys, I'm I think will emerge, and I'm I'm specifically looking at the defensive backfield because I think there's a lot of talent back there. Yeah, and obviously Devin Lloyd is going to just uh, waltz into the NFL. I mean, that guy screams NFL talent just he's, looking at him. He's he's darn good. Yeah, he really he is, is darn good. Yeah, he's going to have a massive season. He might be a first team All American. That wouldn't surprise me in the AP selection. Uh, yeah. We heard this news this week of this alliance. I don't know what degree you've been following it, but I listened to the whole thing the other day, and I mm-hmm. I, I I didn't put my I put myself on uh, mute so they couldn't hear me. But I'm screaming at the thing as I'm listening because they sent out a, a thing that you can a link is what I'm looking for to be able to do it. So I did it, and I'm screaming at it. What is this? And then a day later, we hear that SC. And LSU announced a series to be played or a game to be played in Vegas. 
and that's outside of this big alliance. I just can't figure out what in the world this alliance is going to do, and specifically, what is what do you think is in the best interest of the Pac-12? Because ultimately, that's what we care about. I I don't know. I mean, it feels pretty kind of reactionary to me. Like um, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's really well baked at this point or or I, I don't know even that well thought out at this point it feels like well we have to do something so let's talk about doing this uh, uh, I I don't know I I feel like uh, we're, we're headed down this path we've all talked about it of you know the power five conferences just taking over taking control of college football and this feels like the next step in that happening and kind of leaving, just leaving everybody else to fend for themselves. And so I would say that um, and this alliance thing is a reactionary move. I would be shocked if they're not in discussions, conversations with the SEC about how all of it, an alliance, the SEC expansion about how all of it works together to keep the power players at the top and then just let everybody else kind of do what they can do to, to maintain college football. Um, what, so, and so for the PAC 12, what's in the best interest of the PAC 12 to survive is just to be kind of to remain attached to all of the other power to the, all the other power five conference is, is that that's in their best interest is to stay attached. I, I'm not, I don't think that, I mean, to say that the PAC 12 is irrelevant is, is harsh, but, but the PAC 12 hasn't really lived up uh, to the other conferences in, in, in lots of ways and, and in lots of ways in football, which is, you know, significantly important. So uh, that, that's my, my thought on it is PAC 12 kind of on this, the side of be, becoming irrelevant needs to stay attached to whatever's happening with the Power Five conferences to, to guarantee the survival of the conference. I think the thing that you want to say out loud is we're not going to let ESPN have this whole expanded postseason. Yeah. We're sending it to bid because CBS, I don't think, I think you were right about the Pac 12 has just been so diminished in football. ESPN will only take games largely. I mean, they're, they'll take the, the Notre Dame game and USC, Oregon, but largely they only want to televise Pac-12 games in that last time slot, which means 8.30 kickoffs here. And so they need to get games on the other time. They need to keep CBS CBS and Fox involved. And CBS and Fox, are they going to stay involved if they don't have a share of the postseason? An expanded, you know, 12 team. So I think that they don't want to say, we're here to outvote the SEC and make sure CBS and Fox get playoff games, but they're going to get it, and they're also going to televise our games at times when most of America is still awake. My heavens, doesn't it always boil down to that? Like, that's just the state of the union for collegiate athletics, football especially. It just kind of always boils down to follow the the money, follow the TV – and you'll kind of yeah. come up with your answer. TV has the money for now, but it'll be streaming services soon enough. You watch. And, yeah. and those may be, lim- yeah. you know, some of the TV networks may be doing that. ESPN will be for sure. Uh, but it may yeah. be somebody else. Yeah. Frank, we got to run. We will talk to you next week. Look forward to it. Man, it's great to catch up with you guys. Looking forward to college football season and 
And I think we're, we're talking about doing uh, every Tuesday morning, so that'll be a highlight of my week. There it is. Thank you, Frank. All right, guys. Good to talk to you. Kalen Hall, former BYU running back and father of BYU starting quarterback Jaron Hall, will join us at 9.05 right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Dan Walking from USA Today. They announced this big alliance. Doesn't seem like it's much in terms of scheduling and all this other stuff that they paraded out yesterday. They're trying to stand together to shape what happens with the college football playoff. There's a lot of reasons for these leagues to do that, especially the Pac-12. Look, if I were them, I would have just put out a press release that said, hey, listen, we are working together to address NCAA governance in the college football playoff where our interests are aligned, and I would have just left it at that. Uh, but when they tout a historic announcement, well, what's historic about it? And the reality is nothing. And really, they're going to work together to make sure that the college football playoff is tilted toward their interests and not the SEC's. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. We gotta get to this big news. Join hands at Scotty Friday at the warehouse from ten to two. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Yeah, we'll have a boom tomorrow, but we got a boom right now because Utah's depth chart is out. It is public. We can speak to it right now. The depth chart just dropped. First thing you gotta know is Man, I'm who putting the, my hand in the dirt. Who are the starting eleven? And I'm looking at it right now, and it looks like they've identified 18 guys as starters. Oh, that's how good they are, man. (laughs) That is how freaking good they are. They have 13 positions because they've got three wide receivers and two tight ends, a running back, and a fullback. And a partridge in a pear tree. Obviously... Depending on the formation, they will need all those guys, and obviously they will not be going 13 on 11 because they'd really dominate oh, if yeah. they did that. And then you got Woodingham. When he goes one on one against any coach in the Pac 12, he eats him alive. Even Cristobal, who thinks he's a tough guy, he ain't got nothing on my guy. Charlie Brewer is listed as the starting quarterback. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I just had a hunch. Cam Rising is the backup. <laughs> It's one of those crazy things, you know? You just feel it. After you're told privately off to the side months ago. <laughs> Only been waiting for three or four months on that one. Well, I used to go to Turf Paradise. I'd look at the horses, and sometimes you just had a feel, and you just knew it, and down the stretch they came. Running back, not in alphabetical order, not in numerical order, so I don't know whether to read into this or not. Micah Bernard, or Tavian Thomas, or TJ Pleasure, or Chris Curry. The starters are in bold. And all four guys have their names in bold. Because they're bold. Each one of them is bold. And there's Joe Ludwig at fullback as the starter. I think that might be Andy's son, isn't it? Wide receivers are Theo Howard, Solomon Enos, Britton Covey. Britton Covey? Yes. That would be your X receiver, Theo Howard. He's your not an X. Z receiver. He's not an X receiver. He's a current receiver. Solomon Enos and your R wide receiver, Britton Covey. Yeah. Well, just Britton stay healthy, man. They have a U tight end and a wide tight end. 
And then that will. Why? I know. They, well, what's he thinking? I know. All right? the letters, and you got to choose Y? Exactly. I knew he had a soft spot. <laughs> <laughs> Why isn't it the Q tight end? I knew deep down you just had to peel it away. From that little 5'10 blowhard, I knew he had a soft spot for his alma mater. That's why he calls it Y. Brant Keithy is the starter at the U tight end. I didn't see that coming. And at the Y tight end, Cole Farthingham and Dalton Kincaid are both listed in bold. bold. So it's Cole Farthingham or Dalton Kincaid. Man, they got so many bold guys up there. Yep. There it is. Bam Olawasini. Remember when he came? It was like nine years ago, and we just built him up. Bam Olawasini, 6'8", 330, now a senior. <laughs> or Jaron Kump, who's 6'5", uh, 306, and he's a freshman. Well, yeah, he played last year, but I guess you get Every, the, Yeah, you get the I, bonus year. So. Who knows? Right. Well, that's why Bam is still a senior. Yeah, Britton Covey says that. Well, but if, you were a, if you're a six-year senior, then you're gone. Yeah. So... We know that, but if you're anything below that, who knows? Although Britton has said he thought that this was going to be it. He said that to us at Pac-12 Media Day. Just hope he stays healthy. He stays healthy. He's so fun to watch. And he's a little dude. He's a great interview. There's not a... What John Rom said about... Tony Tony Finau. If you don't like him, there's something wrong with you. Same way with Covey. Kid's amazing. He's not a kid anymore, but he's amazing. And he's just amazing all the way around. The corners to know, on defense, uh, the corners to no one's defense, surprise. Not defense? Defense, defense, whatever. <laughs> J- Travis Broughton and Clark Phillips, the third. Oh, sure. Starting corners. CP3. That's what I'm talking about. CP3. Vontae Davis is the free safety. Uh-huh. Brandon McKinney's the strong safety. Well, that was the only question they had back right. there. And he's a transfer over there from uh, Washington. So Washington is like a DB factory, man. I don't know what that means. They're cranking him out. I don't know that he could be another Buda Baker. Lon Matele is the nickelback. So the secondary will have sophomore and freshman at the corners, a sophomore as the nickelback, and two seniors at safety. The battle at uh, defensive end, Van Fillinger is the starter. Opposite Mika Tafua. Of course he would be. He went to Corner Canyon. Boom. The defense was pretty much all set. Yeah. No big surprises there. But their quarterback is Charlie Brewer. Their stud linebacker, uh, Fury. But I don't know how many times they go with that. Right. Because a lot of times they're going with the 4-2. 4-2-5 because the Nickelback's playing so much. Yeah, they list 13 right. starters on offense and 12 on defense because right. they list four down linemen, three linebackers, and then five in the defensive backfield. But Kyle has said the four, just the way the Pac-12 plays, they've got to be in the 4-2-5 the vast majority of the time. Mm-hmm. That's what they've gone to. I think, they, I think 70, 70, 80% of the yeah. snaps, depending on who you're yeah. playing. Obviously, it changes week to I'm week. I'm interested to see what Theo Howard can do. Saw him a lot when he was with the Bruins way back. He went to Oklahoma and now uh, now here. Uh, can he be – can one of these guys emerge? 
You know, Covey can emerge, but do I want him to emerge? Because he's 5'8", 170, yeah. and how many times a game would you like to see him get hit? Yeah, I know. Right. Howard has more size at 6 feet 190, and then Solomon Enos is the other starting wide receiver, and he's listed at 6'3", 207. Because I think it was a blow having Nakua and Thompson transfer. Yes. But, you know, can they overcome that, potentially? But I don't know, man. Because if we're going to go on, well, they're going to have a running back because they always have a running back. Then you got to go with they're not going to have a dominant receiver yeah. because they don't have dominant receivers. Right. Of the six guys listed on the two deep, one is 5'8", one is 5'9", one is 5'10". That group's on the small side. Yeah. I love interviewing Covey and Dixon. They make me feel so big. <laughs> <laughs> they're 40 times faster than you. Is there 40 time or 40 times? Both. <laughs> Their 40-time is faster than you, and they are literally 40 times faster than you. So that would be when, when you they finish the 40-yard dash, I wouldn't even have gotten to the one. That is what I believe. No. I'm going to take— No, I'm you gonna will go, have gotten to the I'm going to go Joe Ingles, you will Donovan Mitchell, <laughs> 10 pitches, I hey, can make contact. Hey, I can that, get to the five. When does that happen? we got to follow up on that. I know we're in the middle of the two deep now, but this, is, this has got to happen. Because when they come back in September, that's the time. Okay, but next week is September. Right, so we're here. Well, we got in August, in September. The ballpark's closed, and we got great weather, so we can make it happen. Yeah. If I'm Mitchell, I give him chin music right off the bat, <laughs> brush him back, <laughs> knock him down. <laughs> After you plunk him in the ribs twice, just like wow, I haven't thrown in a while. My control's a little off. <laughs> <laughs> Does Joe even know to crowd the plate? I mean, I don't even know that he doesn't know what he doesn't know. Right? Uh, we could probably figure it out if that plate is sitting there. That there's got to be some type of thing. Okay, going so on. the real mystery then in the two deep is the running back. Is is there separation among? There's, no, there's no. There's no mystery. There's. There's no mystery in the depth chart. There's mystery in who is it going to be. You can't give four guys run right carries, and it isn't one. So the question is: Are two or three guys going to be splitting the the carries in this first but game? They, I don't know. If they've ever listed four. That's what's freaky. Is I can't right. remember listing four. Right, but if you run the ball, um, I don't know if you have. 32 carries in a game. What, are they going to give every guy eight carries? That doesn't seem... Hey, that was a good series there, uh, Tavion or TJ or whoever. Uh, Take a break. We'll get back to you in four more series. (laughs) They're not going to give everybody a series. You're cold. I know. I I think that for me, this was always going to be the most intriguing thing going into this first game. And it's going to be the most intriguing thing going into the second Second game. game. I think it'll... Iron itself out. The quarterback deal was, it, it is what it is. It was going to be this way. It was always going to be this way. So it's like zero surprise for those of you. And I don't discount the guys who went and worked their butts off and wrote about it, put it on their online. There's a couple of guys who did that. And good on them, man. I'm not discounting that the work that they did because they worked and they deserve to be credited for that. And I'll give them, a, and I'm a former. Junkyard dog reporter myself, so I appreciate their great work. You know the coaches are assessing guys as they come into the program. That's why they come into the program. They've been assessed. And so it was going to be Brewer, and I'm not discounting the work that those men did. Congratulations on them for working hard and having your sources. Uh, But to me, it was always going to be who is going to replace Ty Jordan. 
That was always going to be the biggest question, and I don't have an answer to this. But if I'm the guy, somebody's got to start. If I'm that guy, I'm thinking, this is my job. I get first crack at it. I am just going to run like I've never run before because I want this job. That's what Kyle's looking for. And because I know that this job, this position, a quality person at this position is absolutely a springboard in the NFL. That's a fact. So if I can be big time here, I can make the NFL. Booker's been circulating around. I think he's with the Giants now, right? He went Denver and mm-hmm. Raiders and now Giants. Yeah, but he's but, still in the but, NFL drawing a paycheck. Well, not only that. I, that is there's, that. There's a, <laughs> yes, but I think there's a decent chance he'll be the Giants featured back. He it doesn't matter. Well, I, <laughs> Because it gets you your next contract. To your point about but, contracts, yeah, I don't know. Saquon Barkley. Barkley isn't isn't full speed yet. He's not see, that's close. the injury thing that I'm talking about, not the uh, the Jaron Hall. So Quan Barkley looks injury prone to me because he's always injured. <laughs> and so that's another thing here, shifting gears. But I don't know that Jaron Hall is injury, injury prone. prone. But this running back position has always, once the tragedy with Ty Jordan and then they started getting these guys coming into their program and we heard about Pledger, we heard about Curry, I didn't know much about Thomas. And in fact, I called him uh, Thompson in the beginning. I had his name wrong. And then they start talking about Thomas and then you do a little research and think, all right, they're talking about him. There must be something there. He's deciding between Oklahoma and Ohio State. Wait, he's going to Cincinnati. Wait, he's going to a J.C. So something back around there that's got to right. be up. But nevertheless, here he is. But, Booker, Booker had that situation, too. But if Oklahoma too. and Ohio State are fighting over you and you end up playing at Cincinnati, have you looked at where those three teams are ranked? He's yeah. got to have some talent. For sure, yes. So if he can settle in somewhere. So I'm excited yeah. to see who is going to emerge because I know somebody. They always do it to you. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Kalen Hall coming up in 15 minutes talking about his son, the new starting quarterback at BYU, Jaron Hall. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Television voice of the Utah Jazz, our good friend Craig Bolajak. As you examine what the Jazz are now, what is your perception of what the weakness might be for this club? Weakness, probably the young type of shutdown defender. Nothing against Royce, but he's been put in some difficult situations still defending some of the best players in the NBA, and he's done a yeoman's job. But maybe does Jared Butler have that in him a little bigger? Does Pascal have that? I'm not sure. Haven't seen enough of him in this system, mind you. And how much does Rudy Gay have? You know, again, not sure. We're going to find out together. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30. Hans and Scotty will announce another member of the top 60 players in the state of Utah as we count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness. Here on The Zone Sports Network. I got some thoughts from you for you. So we got Kalen Hall coming up talking about his son. Yeah. When was the last time BYU beat Utah in football? I think I know where you're going with this. It would have been uh, 2009. Yeah, and we're Correct. in 2021. Yes. Oh my, that just seems like 50 years now. <laughs> it's a dozen. Uh, and 
and the, and then they this would be the eleventh, the, the tenth time. The tenth right, they time. didn't missed one. Right, they well they missed two. They missed one last year during the well, Bizarro yeah, year. Yeah, but, and the other year they missed. Right, they, they had the two years they weren't going to play, and they met in the Las Vegas Bowl one year. So. But last year was not a purposefully missed. Right, uh, it was a pandemically missed. And so, who was the quarterback then? Max Hall. Who's the quarterback now? Jaron Hall. You got to have a Hall at quarterback you if you're going to. Yeah. Right. When's the last time they won without a Hall at quarterback? Because Max quarterbacked in 2007 when they won. Beck. As I said, John would have been the back throw, right? Yeah. yeah. At oh, that six. point, you had to have been from the Phoenix area. <laughs> right. <laughs> And uh, Jaron is not from the face from up here, but is there something to it? Hall to hall, one hall to another. BYU fans hope so. Oh, is it about the H? They hope so that Hall. Yes. They hope ten is not coming because that has become the youth fans' chant. Eight is coming. Nine is coming. Yeah, and it's ten so is coming. Kyle had to figure out his fingers as he's walking up the tunnel. You but know, ten. Yeah, but ten, you just yeah, you so don't have simple. to. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know. Ten. Right, you just flash that two handfuls, and then you're not going to play for two years. This is the biggest game ever between these two teams. Kalen Hall, former BYU running back and father of BYU starting quarterback, Jaron Hall, joins us next. <laughs> 